on this episode of Why Watch That. Kyle Mooney scratches and embarks on the surface of the Forrest Gump type of likability. Yeah. You will instantly like him. Let me tell you Game of Thrones writers something. I'm just going to say it right now. Oh Demo. my gosh, he is actually starting a war. Your name is not Aaron Sorkin. It's not um, Tom Stoppard. It's <laughs> not Shakespeare. David Mamet. You are not great writers. Oh, whoa. You're good. You're good. Now for the good stuff. Everybody, essentially, this is a female John Wick. I said it. I said that. Yes. <laughs> Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. Why watch that sneak peek? Well, it looks like both the critic and the ref, me, (laughs) we got a chance to see a sneak peek of a new movie that we absolutely adore. We're just putting it out there right now. Yep. Called Brixby Bear. Yes, Brixby Bear. And the critic actually saw it way before I did um, at Sundance. And I remember... You were immediately uh, responsive about it. You said, hey, you are going to love this movie. It was very endearing. Um, Let's talk about the key players first. Uh, It's directed by Dave McCary, and it's written and it stars Kyle Mooney, also written by Kevin Costello. And the cast, (laughs) absolutely delightful. Yes, you're going to see Claire Danes, Grace Stage. Yes, it's a comedy. Just hold on. Mark (laughs) Hamill, the force is with him in this one. Uh, Greg Kinnears. um, We see um, Andy Samberg. Matt Walsh from Veep. Michaela Watkins from, I think you said Transparent, but I know her from Casual. Yep. Um, on down to some other wonderful performances in uh, other, uh, what SNL's uh, Beck Bennett is in it. Listen, we've already told you we're, that it's delightful and it's wonderful. Now we're going to tell you why. But before we get into that, critic, if you can, <laughs> describe this Barney meets Star Wars kind of character. <laughs> and it, me bare. <laughs> and look, that's exactly it. So the, the ref is not even joking with that. Now, we see a, a young-ish man. <laughs> <laughs> mid-twenties, mid-twenties. Mid-twenties, named James. And James is just in love with this kid show called Grigsby Bear. Now, James seems to be in some sort of bunker. We don't know where he is. But he has these tapes, yes, youngins, the VHS tapes. Yeah, it seems to be like in the 80s or something, it seems. Exactly, that's what we're thinking. And we're going, okay, what happened? Why is he here? But he's enamored with Brixby. Well, and look, we have to really dance here, Ref. Yeah, you do. Well, everybody, something happens that completely changes his world. Oh, my goodness. He gets out of this place with his VHS, uh, VHS tapes, and he g- connects with his parents he connects with the rest of his family and he's not used to the real world Mm -hmm. 
So Truman what, Show-esque. <laughs> exactly. So what is James supposed to do? Well, of course he meets, you know, a young lady. <laughs> he meets other people. He actually gets to party. But he's going out with uh, teenagers. Okay? But he's such an endearing chap, and, you know, he really hasn't had his childhood, so he's getting it now. And the beautiful thing about this movie is that these teenagers aren't cynical with him. No. They're not. They are his friends. And what happens is he shares Brigsby Bear with them, (laughs) and instead of them going, uh, look at this dork, essentially, they go, hey, let's help him actually recreate Brigsby Bear. Make a movie. Make a movie of it. And we see how all of this plays out, okay? And again, what we said before, Brigsby Bear is a mesh between Barney and Star Wars. Just, you have to know that. It's it's a very strange... Very strange. Phenomenal. And and like mystery science theater. Like... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you throw all of this in and this is what you get. Now, underneath all of this, everybody, what I'm really just glossing over and slipping by and dancing around is some darkness. Okay? There's some darkness going on that our our good boy here, our good friend James, needs to overcome. And they help him do that. And the question is, at the end, has everything been resolved? Now, there are lots of other people going on. I'm not going to give you all of that because I, I really don't want to spoil this. No, but please mm-hmm. do anticipate Greg Kinnear. That's what I was about to <laughs> Yes. Just anticipate him. <laughs> anticipating James. There okay. we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so I think that's enough for the synopsis. Please, Ref, I want to hear from you. Well, listen, let me tell you something. When I saw Brigsby Bear, I immediately reached out to you and yeah. saying, you are completely right. This is the most amazing, delightful, refreshing mm. movie that I've seen this year. And I want to compare the experience that I had in the theater to that which I had when I first saw Captain Fantastic last year. Ah. It just kind of came out of nowhere. And by the end of the movie, you felt better about cinema (laughs) you felt better about the world um the performances i don't need to go into each specific performance but i will highlight that kyle mooney and and i say this with trepidation there hasn't been such a likable innocent completely uh drawn in character since forrest gump Ah. and i think that kyle mooney scratches and embarks on the surface of the Forrest Gump type of likability, yeah. you will instantly like him. You will love him. You will be, uh, discover uh, whatever. You will have sort of your innocence broken along with Kyle's. Yeah. So that's a very difficult thing to do without making fun of it as an actor. So I know he worked really hard. It yeah. probably also helped that he was one of the creators and writers of this um, this movie. Uh, Greg Kinnear, we already said, delightful. Everybody was appropriately cast. And I really appreciated the thought in having that. Now, yes, um, Andy Samberg comes out of nowhere in, in a cameo. <laughs> you're kind of like, what? But then you get it. You know, you could tell that most people probably liked each other as they worked together. Yeah. Overall, would I pay $15? Now, just looking at the poster... And just reading the synopsis, probably I wouldn't be drawn. But if you're listening to this podcast 
and you want a break from superheroes and maybe even animation, and you just want to laugh and have a delightful time, you can do this two ways. You can enjoy it at home, absolutely. Yes. But why wait? It is a wonderful movie that, looking back on it, you pay the $15 and you go, you know what, that was worth it. It could be a date night movie. It could be a movie you go in alone. It could be a movie you take your parents to. Yes, there is, you know a little party scene or whatever but get past it you'll be fine um you can (laughs) also friends and a group of friends that's right you can take your friends it really isn't everybody um kind of movie so i highly recommend it what are your thoughts i completely concur okay and i would also say about what kyle mooney did as a performer is like you were saying see all of what the ref said everybody it's believable too that's the trick because you don't look at him and go okay after a while you forget he's acting <laughs> you just think yeah you just, do you just think he's this guy james and and the beautiful thing again is it's not cynical and it could have been easily could have been and they didn't go there with it yeah. so this is that's the part where you have this juxtaposition of things that are dark but it's handled with such a deft touch with such an enjoyment and a warmth that you get a bit of the humor that, okay, a, a bit crass, but not too much. It's just the right amount of things here. So yeah. they did a wonderful job of walking that tightrope. And I would say, just as the ref said, yeah, I mean, if you really want to break everybody this summer, if you just want to go to a movie that's good, look, yeah. let's not make great the enemy of good. Just a good comedy that you're going to feel good about while you're watching it. People are going to be laughing around you and laughing in a way where they go, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. Then Brigsby Bear is for you. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Listen, it comes out July 28th, this Friday. Yeah. If you dare snuggle up with Brigsby Bear. <laughs> did you know? Part one. Critic, I have a did you know? I know, when I get that sing-song voice, I know it's coming. <laughs> you know it's coming. Listen, now, ah, okay. this is going to be worded just a little differently. Oh, boy. IndieWire mm. has just put this out, and I had to pick it up and tell her and, and share and see if you knew. Okay. If, if, did you knew? Did you knew? <laughs> it is known that Poltergeist was directed by... Toby Hooper. Yeah. Clearly. Yes. However, it has just recently been revealed that he indeed technically wasn't the director. He was on paper, but he truly wasn't accredited. Or, excuse me, truly wasn't the one doing the directing because that Hmm. person was bound by a contract and what was that contract? Well, he was making a kid-friendly movie and couldn't put his name attached as a director. Oh. Who is that mm. director? Now, I'll give you a hint. Don't. I think I know it. Okay, good, 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 good. Well, no, I'll give our listeners a hint. Okay, yes, yes, ma'am. I'll give yes. you a hint. This person knows Poltergeist very well. So who logically could it be? Oh, now that's throwing me off. Okay, let me think now. 
This episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days and get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Did you know? Part two. All right, we're back. Mm. Now. Oh. Did you know that Poltergeist was not directed by, or was not physically directed by Toby Hooper, according to IndieWire's new article? Who could it have been directed then? You know, I, I was thinking Steven Spielberg until you said that hint. Oh. Now what are you thinking? I, I can't come up with anybody else. Is well, Steven you're Spielberg? right. It's okay. Steven Spielberg. Okay. He knows it quite well. Why? Because Steven Spielberg came up with the story, wrote it, and he also was a producer on it. The reason why he couldn't attach himself as director because he was currently directing E.T. and it was a clause in his contract that he could not direct any other film during the time he was directing E.T., especially since E.T. was a kid-friendly classic movie. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Toby Hooper. (laughs) Back to Why Watch That. The Why Watch That Talk. Yes, TV, TV, TV! Again. Is here. Winter (laughs) is here. Is it? (laughs) You know what? You know what? Hey, 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 hey. Listen, we've got some huge shows returning for the first time and even uh, a couple episodes in. And we're going to get the latest thoughts of the critic as he goes through these uh, latest and greatest TV shows that are absolutely taking over Twittersphere. So, of course, we're going to start off with the absolute premiere of season two of HBO's hit show, Insecure, starring... Produced, written by, conceived by, created by Issa, Miss Issa, Miss Issa. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> she gets she gets that kind of intro. <laughs> now, as we left off from season the prior season, the relationship that Issa, the character, had with um, Jay's character is now in shambles. It, yeah, they broke up. She cheated. And he did too. Now, is she back out in the streets? <laughs> out in these dating streets? Hmm. So that's exactly where we pick up in season two. And no. Mm-mm. She is still hung up on Lawrence. Oh, yes. Lawrence. She sure is. And she's trying to scheme a way to get him back. Now, one thing that she has in her arsenal is his mail. So she wants to use his snail mail. To get him to come pick it up so he has to see her. Now, the thing is, he will respond to her text, but it's text about things he left at the apartment, things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, for him, she is still doing whatever he's doing with this woman he picked up after he left Issa. At the bank teller woman? Oh, oh, now see. Mm -mm -mm. She's been on him all season, too. Mm -hmm. Now, the question is... 
How into her is he? Oh, man. Okay, he essentially sees her on the weekend, and during the week, he's staying at his buddy's house and going to work. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that Issa's best friend, Molly, played by Yvonne Orji, she's a lawyer, but now she's done with men, too. She's taking a break, but she finds out that a colleague of hers is making more money. Mm-mm. Oh. So we have that dynamic going on with her. Now, at the end of the first episode, Issa throws a party to try to get Lawrence back, mm. right? He's supposed to come to pick up a, a, a jury summons. <laughs> so she just throws a party so that when he enters, it'll be a party and she'll look like, you know, everything's okay. Now, does that work out? The title is insecure. We, no, know, what, we know the deal. But at the end of this episode, you might be surprised where it ends. Okay, that's all I'll say. So, Insecure, if you watch season one, keep watching. If you haven't watched season one, um, what's wrong with you? Yeah, and you can binge it, right, on HBO? You sure can. HBO Go, HBO Now, you can do all of that. So, I, you know, I just have to say to end our discussion of Insecure here, I'm so glad that Issa raised voices out there. I really like her. I just like her. I think she has a, a unique voice that we need in the world. Thank you. Well, not only are you saying that, but the uh, the Emmy nominations are agreeing with you on that. Let's move on to yet another season of Ballers. It's back. Yeah. Yes, Dwayne Johnson is back at his shenanigans. His <laughs> up and down again career. Is he in control of it? Is he not? Mm. Does he secure the clients? Does he not? Mm. I, I can't quite keep up with the moving ballers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this third season at the beginning, the first episode, we see Dwayne Johnson's character, Spencer Strasmore. He is now a junior partner at the financial management firm. We saw that came to be at the end of the last season, but he borrowed money from his client slash player slash friends. No. And he promised Denzel Washington's son in real life, promised his character that he'd pay him back within a year, $5 million. <laughs> so the question is, can he do that? Now, the head of the firm, and if you watched uh, The West Wing, you know who it is, okay? Richard Schiff's character. He wants to go big and get into business with this uh, magnate who's from Las Vegas. Vegas! He, yeah, and, and you know, it's man, look, it's taken him so long just to get a meeting with this guy. And the guy is played by Steve Gutenberg, by the way. Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> you know, wait a minute. I was wondering where Steve Gutenberg had gone. <laughs> I was thinking about Police Academy. Yes. <laughs> Three Men and a Baby. Three Men and a Baby and a Little Lady. Steve That's right. Gutenberg. Wait, what was that? A robot? Uh, wait. Uh, Johnny Live. Okay, you know what? You are you are really going off. What's the name of the robot? I don't know. You talking Johnny about short, short, short circuit? <laughs> Steve. And, and cocoon. <laughs> anyway, oh. the ref asks for your patience with her. <laughs> So the thing is, he's supposed to have this meeting now. Uh, Spencer (laughs) is contacted by Steph Curry, the real Steph Curry, the real Steph Curry. They do do they get these? 
<laughs> you know, T Sug shows up again in this season, so there you go. But he, so he wants to get Steph Curry as a client because then maybe he can pay these people back. Now, Richard Schiff's character tells Steve Gutenberg's character that they are getting Steph Curry. Oh, so, oh, oh. the Las Vegas magnate's like, yeah, but then that falls through for a reason. Now, the question is can Spencer make it up? To the two guys there, they have they still have this dinner. Is he going to be the guy to persuade Steve Gutenberg <laughs> to go into business with them? Because if he does, then the head honcho of the firm is going to give him his five million dollars to pay back his friends. So that's on the line. Now, in addition to this, just to end it here, the, uh, there's a question that's raised about Spencer's fertility. Wait, what is, <laughs> wait. Uh, uh, I, this this show I cannot <laughs> just let's run at it. So look, if you watch the first two seasons of Ballers, you're not going to stop. I mean, this is a summer show for us guys, and we'll take it. And you know what, all of you ladies, check it no. out. No, nah, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to something not so funny. Yeah. I saw the trailer to this, and I thought I am not going to watch this, and oh. not because I think it's bad. It's because I don't want to go to bed thinking about. The strain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, on FX. No, 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 ma'am. No, mm. ma'am. Mm. Well, this is the final season. We are in season four. We're going to oh, see the thank conclusion. Goodness, jeez. Yeah. The master has finally transferred his body again into Eldridge Cleavers, his old man who was decrepit. He's always wanted this his whole life, it seems. He's finally gotten it. We see how it plays out. Because at the end of season three, they tried to take out the master, but they didn't quite succeed. And now there's the aftermath of that. Now, Corey okay, Stoll's... we're talking about vi- vampires. Just to review, vampires. Just, just making sure. But... Yes, and this is a vampire apocalypse that has happened. The vampires are now in control of uh, New York City. Oh, in control. Oh, and Corey Stoll's character, Dr. Ephraim F. Goodweather, okay, he is now, you know really just trying to scrape things together to get by. His son is a complete idiot. His son is, you know, a preteen or young teenager. I don't care. I don't like him. Um, he's with the vampires. He believes that his mother who turned to a vampire is actually his mother. He's a dummy. And we have to deal with him. Uh, so that's still going on here. And the question is, in the end, essentially, because we don't need to stay here long. The question is, who's going to win? There are some vampires against vampires. There's some humans against humans. And, of course, vampires against humans. Humans against vampires. Who's going to be left standing at the end? I'll tell you that this show is so nasty to look at that it's got to be the humans. I'm sorry. I, I would side with you vampires, but I can't. It's just nasty the way they do it. So if you haven't seen The Strain and you like a little horror, you like a, just to cringe and scream a bit and kind of laugh at the same time, then this is the show for you. If that sounds horrifying, don't watch. I won't be watching, and I can't believe you dark heart went with the humans. Uh, (laughs) Let's move on to a new show, Shooter. Now, this is based off the movie, or... Yeah. Well, second season. Second season, season, but... Mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 kind of taken on. We talked about shooters, like kind of like what what, what yeah. shooter? It's taking on life, yes. is what what I'm saying. And do we like it? Do we? What, you're watching it. I'm watching it. Um, you know, last the first season started late because of certain events in the real world. 
So now it is a summer show, and that's where it belongs. Uh, it is better than the movie. I'm sorry. I do not recommend oh. that you watch the movie. Sorry I like Mark Wahlberg. That's fine. Not in that movie. Um, which it wasn't his fault. It's not his fault. But anyway. So in, sec- in the second season of Shooter, essentially the first season's like the movie. So we have Bob Lee Swagger, played by Ryan Phillippe. I love the name. He is a highly trained Marine. He's a sniper. Okay, watch out for that. And in that first season, he was framed for trying to assassinate the president. Mm-hmm. So the whole first season, he's trying to clear his name. And along the way, he has his wife, played by Chantel Van Santen. There's an FBI agent, played by Cynthia Dye Robinson. Her name's Nadine Memphis, who actually believes Swagger. Omar Epps is, uh, was Swagger's superior as a Marine. And now he's vacillating between two sides. He can't be trusted. So all of that went down, and we saw the conclusion of that at the end of season one. Now, in season two, that has been resolved. However, there's someone or something or some entity out to get his squad, his Marine squad, to assassinate them, kill them all. Oh. So the question is, who is this, and can they figure it out fast enough before they get killed because there is an assassin now hunting the assassins. And Omar Epps' character knows something. He he was ahead of the game. He left the country when he saw this coming with his wife. Oh. Okay? So in the second season, we're going to see how that plays out. Next shooter, we know every season is going to be like this. It's going to be somebody trying to get Bob Lee Swagger, kill him, harm his family. He's got to figure out a way to stop it. And there you go. So if you want to see this kind of action uh, military-esque show during the summer, I would say definitely watch it. Is it great? No, but it's certainly good enough. It certainly has enough for the summer. Okay, now let's conclude this TV oh boy. roll along with the epic TV. Uh-huh. Like, I, I can't even describe to you listeners, and I don't even need to describe to you. You know what's been going on. No. Every single human being Oh. who has seen 15 minutes of this mm. show mm. has been biting up the teeth for mm. this show to begin this season because things are concluding. Yeah. We're conclude we're, we're down the concluding trail. And we're talking about none other than the show that's taken over every piece of social media, every piece of water cooler talk. Yes. Game of Thrones. Winter is here. <laughs> is it? Now, and the big battle is among us. Is it? Oh, stop the hate. Now, we are in the penultimate season. Yeah. Um, it's only seven episodes in season seven. We're two episodes in. The first episode started, oh, it started so well, ref. We have Arya Stark getting her comeuppance. That's what I'm talking about. It was beautiful to see. Mm. Then they give us a little sneak of the Night King, who's the head of the White Walkers, a sneak. And we get a little sneak of Bran Stark, Arya's younger brother, who is now, well, who now has magical powers. I'll just say that. Okay. A sneak. And then the rest of the first episode devolves into people talking. <laughs> and I have to say that, let me tell you Game of Thrones writers something. I'm just going to say it right now. Oh then we'll, my gosh, he is actually starting a war. <laughs> then we'll go into the second, well I'm not done, then we'll go to the second episode. 
Let me tell y'all something. You, you, your name is not Aaron Sorkin. It's not um, Tom Stoppard. It's not Shakespeare. Okay. David Mamet. David Mamet, thank you. You are not great writers. Oh, You're good. You're good. And the problem is you have to remember that the basis of plot is immediacy. Immediacy. I don't care if people are talking or doing what else, brushing their teeth. It has to have immediacy. And too many times we get into these laws where people are talking and who cares? Who cares? So that's what happened for most of episode one. Not all, for most. I do appreciate, though, that they added Jim Broadbent and everybody. We interviewed Jim Broadbent. Check out YYSet.com for that. Shameless plug. They added him in as the Grand Maester. So the Maesters, if you don't watch Game of Thrones, they're essentially scientists slash wizards. Kind of. <laughs> and remember, Game of Thrones is, is really a crib off of the Lord of the Rings, but not quite. So thank you for that. Now, episode two. We're back to the talking. But this time, mm. there's immediacy. And then the good writing is serviceable. Okay? If you are a great writer, you can write whatever you want. But if you're good, you gotta get it right. And this is what we get. We now get people plotting and planning to fight for the kingdom. Uh-oh. We start seeing that converge. And they end with a major fight sequence of consequence. So I have to say, first episode, mm, I liked the opening. It was a tease as they normally do, and then they went into nonsense. Second episode, that is the kind of episode that should be every episode. Okay, every single one. So we'll see what happens as we progress through this season and into the final one. I'm going to tell you this. We better get more of season two and better, I'm sorry, episode two and better and much, much less of what I saw in the second half of episode one. Well, you heard it here. This is the uh, atomic bomb (laughs) of TV shows this summer. Yeah, you thought the movies were trying to get your money. These TV shows are trying to get you to sit down and enjoy on your couch at home. (laughs) And now, the pick of the week. The Critic has a pick of the week. Good oh. gracious. He's just knocking <laughs> it out of the park. And it is Netflix's Ozark. Yes, it just came out not too long ago, and you can binge, 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 binge. It is created by Bill Dubuque, not the guy from uh, Predator. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's Bill Duke. <laughs> Mark Williams also created it. Uh, I was thinking that too. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm so glad Jason, you said that. Jason Bateman, Laura Linney, Sophia um, Hublitz, and Jason Butler Harner are some of the star of the of the series stars of the series. Now I hear great things. Do tell. Why is yes. it the week? Yes, and also you, let's just note that Jason Bateman directed the first two episodes. Okay, Ooh. he's the lead character directing himself twice, and he did a great job. Let me tell you something, everybody. If you saw Bloodline on Netflix, which was recently canceled or recently ended then what Netflix has done with this show, because both shows are via that platform, what they've done is kind of taken the darkness there, made it a little, just a little, not much, a little lighter, made it a little faster, added in a little humor and surprises. So 
it's a little more exciting than Bloodline. So if you watched it and went, it's not quite for me, I say please check out Ozark. Now, what happens in Ozark is we have a man who's a financial advisor played by Jason Bateman. He has a partner in the business, and they're doing well. They're good buddies. But something happens because they not only are financial advisors, they also are money launderers. Ooh. Now, something happens as a result of that that forces Martin, that's Jason Bateman's character, to have to uproot his family from Chicago. They have to go to the Ozarks in Missouri. (laughs) And he's doing this to try to save his hide and his family's hides, literally. (laughs) So he has the scheme to come up with in order to essentially get enough money over the summer to pay back a drug dealer. Now... He's a whip-smart guy. He can talk his way almost out of anything. But he finds his match and more in the Ozarks. Okay? The locals in the Ozarks don't underestimate them. And let me tell you, <laughs> you see one after the other just coming out of the woodwork to cause problems. Oh, it sounds right? like Shit's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but with much less comedy and with much, <laughs> much higher stakes. So he has to figure out a way to convince business owners to help him uh, or to to make him a financial advisor so he can launder this money. Hmm. Now, the longer you go in the season, the darker it gets, the more dangerous it gets. Where are they staying, for instance? Also, his wife is played by Lauren Linney. What's up with her? Mm. Oh, my. They have a a young son and a young daughter. The son is 13. The daughter's 15. What's going on with them? All right, all right, all right, all right. You know, they have all kinds of people going on. So what I would say, everybody, because the ref is telling me not to give everything away. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I'm excited about this. Look, it's Netflix. You have your subscription. I'm telling you, from the beginning, you're going to think it's one thing, and then it's not. And they keep playing around with that until you get to the middle and... uh, Everybody watch out. I am excited to see the second season. How about that? Hey, Ozarks (laughs) is on Netflix. Binge, binge, binge. Another Why Watch That sneak peek. Hey, the critic got a chance to see a sneak peek of the new movie, Atomic Blonde, by, <laughs> by the director David Leach and writer Kurt Johnstead. And it is a cast that you just probably would enjoy watching, seriously. It's Charlize Theron. She is playing this assassin, don't mess with her. She's in her element, beating up people. James McAvoy, John Goodman, Eddie Marson, Toby Jones even yes, is in there. I mean, we've got tons of English people, it seems like. Yes. I really wanted to see this movie and was sad that I wasn't able to go to the screen. So do tell. Okay, well, uh, it's 1989. Ooh, I didn't realize it. And this is late 1989. So think about in history what was happening. What was going on in the world. Oh, I I have a feeling. Yeah. Now, it's the movie starts with us seeing President Reagan talking about, you know, tear the wall down. Uh Uh-huh. Bring it down. 
And then the movie says, uh, this ain't that story. <laughs> so that's the backdrop. We are in Europe and we have two locuses, let's say, uh, Great Britain and uh, Berlin. Now, Charlize Theron plays Lorraine Broughton. As you said, she is a member of MI6. She's a spy. She's an assassin. She ain't nobody to play with. We see, before we get to her, another spy gets killed. <gasps> so what's this about? It, we cut to her, and she's taking an ice bath. She has all kinds of bruises all over her body and her face. Hmm. Now, she's called in to MI6 to headquarters, and Toby Jones is her superior. Of course he is. Well, who else would you cast? <laughs> <laughs> now, along there with him is John Goodman, who plays somebody from the CIA. Of course he does. Now, she goes, I have things to say, and he, meaning John Goodman, CIA guy, needs to go. He doesn't need to hear this. Well, it doesn't work out that way for her. Now, behind the glass, because they're about to interview her, debrief her, behind the glass is the guy who's the head of MI6. So what's he up to? Now, Toby Jones tells her, tell me what happened. What led us to here? We shuttle back 10 days in the past. And we see how she was sent on this mission to go to Berlin to procure this list of spies. They want to make sure that the KGB doesn't get its hands on it. Now, there is an undercover agent in Berlin, played by James McAvoy. Uh-huh. His name is David Percival. And you can imagine what kind of guy he is. Wacko, crazy, all of that kind of stuff. Can't he be trusted? Now, before she sent, her superiors, Toby Jones and the guy behind the glass, tell her, trust no one. All right, so we know this common trope from movies. Don't trust nobody. We got it. So she gets there. She meets with Percival. That's James McAvoy's character. And they try to devise this way to get this list. Now, the list has been memorized by somebody else, and that somebody else is Spyglass. That's his nickname, or his codename. And he's played by the great Eddie Marsan. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, the question is, can they keep uh, Spyglass safe? Can they keep the list safe? Or is both or one going to fall into the hands of the KGB? So that's the question, and she tells this story, and we see how they cut between the interview and what happened in that recent past. Now, mm. also included in this is a French spy. How does she fit in here? And others. So that's essentially the story. The question is, at the end, who's who? Who can we trust? And can we even trust who we think we can trust? All right, that's a that's quite a mindful. Now, what yes. what do we think about all this? Let me start here, Ref. Let me start with the flaw. Okay, let's just go right there, and I can get to the rest. The flaw with this film is it clocks in at a little over two hours. So you can already already say to yourself, "Why is it this long?" Well, it's that long for no good reason. So the flaw is in the writing, in that the writer got a bit carried away with the complexity of the story that didn't require complexity. Now, if you have a story that is complex, fine. But you don't need to add it in. And what happens is, because of that, first of all, we're ahead of the movie. 
like you know what's about to happen pretty much for most mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. and you're just waiting so then when the payoff comes there's no payoff it takes too long to get there and it spreads the action out too much okay so that's the flaw now for the good stuff everybody essentially this is a female John Wick I said it I said that yes <laughs> the difference is she's a spy uh, so we have the kind of spy craft going on but that's not a positive. John Wick is a much more direct story, which helps us to get right to the action. But that's what it is. Charlie Theron knows what she's doing at all times. I loved her characterization. You, She played it like, look, I've been doing this for so many years. I'm tired. I don't care. I just want to get through this job. You get that in every scene. And of course, she's a beautiful woman and all of that. So that helps. She's just walking and it looks good. You know, it's it's oh, cool. Jeez, look at you. James McAvoy is James McAvoy. He knows what he's doing. He's kind of seedy. He's kind of slimy. Can we trust him? All of that. John Goodman's just there to get his check because he doesn't need... He could just do this in his sleep. Toby Jones is always great. Eddie Marson, always great. So the cast is really strong. And David Leach, who is actually one of the uncredited directors of John Wick, Okay, is directing here. He, uh, you can see the visual styling. You can see in the fighting because remember, David Leach and the credited director of John Wick were stuntmen first and stunt coordinators. They worked their yeah. way up. Yeah. So it's the same kind of fighting. If you like the John Wick fighting, you get it here, except that Charlie's Theron doing it, which throws something new in. It's a woman going through this, which twists it up a bit. So, but you get the weight of the, the action. You get uh, how it's not quite perfect. They mess it up like it would be in the real world. You get some of the humor. The major fight in the second half of the movie was absolutely stellar. Absolutely stellar. So, if you want a bit of like 80s energy, a harshness in there, a coolness, a great cast, a director who has his finger on the pulse of action then you can go see this, but just know that you're going to be waiting in the middle for something to happen. You're going to be waiting and it's not really going to be worth it. So that's the caution there. So if this sounds like something where you go, I don't care. I just want to see some action. I want to see some fighting. This is the movie for you. Otherwise you can wait. You really could rent this and it would still work. Well, let me say that this is the year of the woman with a lot of female-driven action films. We won't name them. Mm. It is also um, an opportunity to maybe try a companion piece, listeners. So if you, like you, like the critic said, if you want to take that chance and you want the action and you want to keep the female-driven plot story moving on in your summer, go ahead and do it. But he cautions you, it'll work just as good at home. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.